Accusation number three. The prime contributor both to the tyranny that makes up the oppressive patriarchy and structures all of our social interactions, past and present, and the unforgivable despoiling of our beloved Mother Earth is damnable male ambition. We put that guilt of the entire world, the entire race, upon young men, who not only themselves are guilty, but them themselves are weak and are unable to lead to redemption because they have already crumpled. Well, what on earth is the, the point of that? And can that lead to nothing but depression? Hello and welcome to this video. Today we're going to be reacting, responding, and analyzing a message to the Christian churches by Jordan B. Peterson, a video that I came across recently. I do recognize it came out quite a while back, but anyways, we're going to be watching it. You seem to be liking the recent reaction videos that I have been making. So as a result, we'll be doing a bit more of them. Hope you enjoy this video. If you want more of this type of content, then feel free to let me know. I have interest in uh, reacting or analyzing the message to the Muslims. So we're going to be talking about that, giving a deeper analysis of the content within. And without further ado, let's get right into this video. The way it's going to work is that we're just going to watch the video and, and when I have something to say or something which can be elaborated, I'll then analyze it, stop it, and then we can talk about it more in depth. So without further ado, let's get right into it. It all started in some sense with the lectures I did on Genesis in 2017. My family and I took a risk and rented out a theater in Toronto on the off chance that there might be an audience for what might be described as a psychological approach to our ancient stories. And lo and behold, and miracle of miracles, there was. Before we get into this, I would just like to say that if you haven't watched that series yet on the Bible, feel free to go um, check it out. You could go to Jordan P. B. Peterson's channel. Let me show that to you. Uh, yep, the psychological significance of the biblical stories, go through them. It's on um, different chapters in the Bible. And I think it's very, very helpful, One, regardless of whether you're atheist, Christian, or whatever, Muslim, whatever. It does provide a lot of psychological analysis of it. And if you're interested in the field of psychoanalysis and you're not exactly sure where to start, I do think that this is quite an interesting place. If you're interested in religion as well, to say, well, okay, let's look at how someone might psychoanalyze a text, especially a quite symbolic one like the Christian work of Genesis. So let's continue watching it. People who attended live and the majority of those who watched online were young men. That is not a phenomenon that can be easily accounted for, but let me try. Now in the West, because of the weight of historical guilt that is upon us, a variant of the sense of original sin in a very real- uh, Before we get into it, I'd just like to talk about um, the idea that it's mostly young men who talk about it. He does analyze it a bit in, the, in a bit, but I just would like to illustrate the idea that a lot of times people critique Jordan Peterson that his audience is mainly young, white, privileged males, right? But in reality, I don't think that's the case. There's a lot of people I know who are from African-American descent, people in Africa, Asians, whatever, who get great um, inspiration from Jordan Peterson and at the end of the day I think the truth is is that it doesn't matter where you're coming from no matter what group you're targeting if they are able to develop themselves and improve themselves it doesn't really matter and sometimes when you're just trying to reduce the individual to a group mentality that's where all the dangers of communism and all these other dangerous ideologies arise. Our young people face a demoralization that is perhaps unparalleled. This is particularly true of young men although anything that devastates young men will eventually do the same to young women. And that, in this era of antinatalism and equally reprehensible nihilism, is precisely the point. When in grade school, boys are admonished, shamed, and controlled in a very similar manner by those who think that play is unnecessary, particularly if it's competitive, and who value a docile, harmless obedience above all. Shades of Dolores Umbridge. Before we get into this, I would like to just analyze what he said. I think he illustrates or elaborates on two points. One is a lack of competitiveness. Recently, if you go to a lot of competitions, there's always, in Chinese, there's this yawai during it's like, participation award you you don't it doesn't matter if you're coming first second or third if you join and show up to a competition that's all that matters and while i recognize why that's important you have to give especially young kids the idea that you should always compete regardless of whether you're winning and losing but at the same time i think that there's a flip side of the issue where it, it completely destroys competitiveness because if you're the first place a uh, person right and you you just 
train every single day, every morning, you'll be disciplined. You get up at 6 a.m. in the morning to do your morning runs, morning fitness. And then at the end of the day, you go to the reward. And then this fat kid who's been eating sweets the entire day gets uh, a prize just as good as yours for uh, taking place in the competition. Well, naturally, that's going to demoralize you. And that's not going to allow progress because progress at the end of the day is mainly the result of individuals who lead groups, these leaders who have this competitiveness to say, I am going to stand out amongst my peers to develop, to innovate, to inspire those around me. So the competitiveness is very, very important. And as a result, we still, despite having to promote other people to join in that competitive mindset, we also have to develop that competitive mindset and uphold it in the first place. So it isn't good enough to just say, well, let's make everyone as good as each other. No, we have to recognize that there are those winners. There are those rewards for the winners to develop that um, competitive nature. I think that's one important thing that Jordan Peterson is illustrating. Another thing which I think is very, very uh, appropriate, which you notice is that a lot of times demonization is the worst thing you can ever do. Even if they actually are in the wrong, sometimes by demonizing people, you lead them to more problems. They, they, they are able to fall into the dark side, perhaps, of society. If you constantly say, oh, you're bad, you're bad, you're misogynist, or whatever it is, especially the idea that, oh, by virtue of being an American, okay, you, or a white American, you're somehow this is attributing or working towards a systemic um, racist society. And while some people would say, oh, oh, that's true or whatever, I don't really care about what those analyses are. The thing that is most important is like, well, are they actually going to do something to improve the individual? And this is something I was noticing on my recent video about social media and Andrew Tate, is that people are so, so, so focused on demonizing the other side that it makes it impossible for the other side to actually be on your, or at least come around to the truth. Because if you truly think that you're right, demonizing and just ridiculing the opposition will never help the opposition actually improve as an individual. Rather, when you disagree with someone, especially in a moral sense, an ethical sense, the best way to actually help them improve, to develop a community, is via loving them, showing care. That's how Jesus showed love to his enemies. That's why he's, he ate dinner with the taxpayers, the prostitutes. The reason of that is not because he agrees with them, but he recognizes that fundamentally the only way or the best way to help other people is not to demonize them. It is to show them love, care, and respect. I think that that is something which is very important, which Jordan Peterson is noticing. Number one, human culture, particularly in the West, is best construed as an oppressive patriarchy, motivated by the desire, willingness, and ability to use power, defined as the compulsion of others against their will, to attain what are purely selfish and self-serving ends. This is true at every level of analysis. Marriage is akin to slavery, friendship to exploitation, political disagreement to war, and business arrangements to deception and theft. And this is true not only of the current social arrangements that characterize our culture, particularly in the West, but also the fundamental reality of history itself. Accusation number two. Human activity, particularly that undertaken in the West, is fundamentally a planet-despoiling enterprise. The human race is a threat to the ecological utopia that existed before us and that could hypothetically exist in our absence. We might well be construed even as a cancer that threatens the very viability of the complex systems that make up the ecosystem of the Earth that shelters and supports us. We are facing a Malthusian catastrophe of overpopulation and biosphere degradation. And we have to place extreme limits on our wants, even our needs, so that survival itself, even in a much reduced form, can be guaranteed. Accusation number three. The prime contributor both to the tyranny that makes up the oppressive patriarchy and structures all of our social interactions, past and present, and the unforgivable despoiling of our beloved Mother Earth is damnable male ambition, competitive and dominating, power-mad, selfish, exploitative, raping and pillaging. You might think that I'm overstating the case. Think again, sunshine. We in the West are facing an all-out assault at the deepest levels on what that old joker Jacques Derrida deemed the phallogocentric conceptual structure of civilization itself. To take that apart, that's a society centered on the encouraging, adventurous, masculine spirit, and that privileges, that hated word of all things, the divine logos. And what should we worship and celebrate properly other than that? Deconstructionists, the words of that mass murderer Karl Marx? And it is I think there's a lot of things which can be um, 
deconstructed perhaps here in if I was going to be a bit um, ironic. But I do think what he's illustrating here is that, well, it's very, very easy to just kind of throw these accusations about males and just attribute all the problems to a certain group or certain identity. And that's clearly untrue. Now, of course, in the history of psychoanalysis, the idea of development, competitiveness and um, the exploring of the unknown has traditionally been seen as a phallic imagery. If you read um, Lacan, Freud, that idea of the phallus is always a symbolic one of the exploration of the unknown, the, the going forth from the order into the chaos, or in some senses, perhaps even more dangerously, the other way around. And in that sense, you could say, well, yes, psychoanalytically, in this world of the symbols, yes, the, the male is the representation of the going into the unknown, the conquering, the desire of victory. And that is how we see in history as well, in the symbolic function. But nevertheless, to say that that is somehow evil, or at least more specifically, is to say that that is somewhat dangerous and something which leads to guilt is a completely different thing. And as Jordan Peterson recognizes, it's something which is very, very dangerous. Because if you're going to put the guilt of the world on someone, which is actually a very religious connotation, especially a very Christian one, that person has to be of great strength to undergo that guilt. And also, there has to be a way of redemption through that guilt. Because if you look at the situation of Christ, for example, you see Christ takes on the guilt of the world, but not for not for it, not in vain, because Christ takes on the guilt of the world, though he is innocent, and then bears it on the cross, and then the world is redeemed. However, if you put it on a, a group of people, especially young men, who not only are guilty themselves for a loads of other things, right, and, and we're not talking about guilt as in a group guilt, but on a very individual level, if you put that guilt of the entire world, the entire race, upon young men, who not only themselves are guilty, but then themselves are weak, and are unable to lead to redemption, because they have already crumpled. Well, what on earth is the, the point of that? And can that lead to nothing but depression and suicide? Because the truth is, is that male depression has been growing significantly in recent, in recent years and re, over recent decades, right? People are struggling deeply with these problems of mental health. And by attributing more and more guilt on them, which a lot of the times haven't been created by themselves, it becomes more and more ridiculous. For example, if you're focusing on the patriarchy, and then you attribute all of the sufferings of the patriarchy onto all men. What happens to the person who's a coal miner in the middle of nowhere, mining coal to feed his family? They're going to think, well, I'm guilty for oppressing women. When, when they had absolutely no ability, they're on the bottom of the bottom of the social hierarchy. How on earth are they meant to oppress anyone? Because in order to oppress, you have to presuppose power. And when you put it on young men who have absolutely no power, they are then bearing a guilt, which not only adds onto the guilt that they already have, but it's a burden which is so heavy that they cannot bear it. And the best example of this, and I think the best phrase for this, is when Jesus said, I came here not to destroy the law, but to fulfill it. You first have to fulfill the law in order to create. And if you're going to have someone to redeem society, you first have to allow them to fulfill the past. But this idea of guilt is to precisely to tell them, do not fulfill the past and then create something anew. But it's proven historically that you cannot create unless you know the past. And as a result, by telling or adding this group guilt to men or whatever group you're adding it to, it just manifests this problem of the lack of fulfillment. And it is by definition, almost a contradiction in terms, a contradictio in adjective by telling them, oh, you have that guilt, but nevertheless, you have to seek redemption. That is impossible. You first have to focus on the individual. And that is the most important thing, which I think Jordan Peterson analyzes and develops a lot. Now let's carry on watching. Precisely those young men who are deeply conscientious, capable of guilt and regret, who have come to believe in pain, that every deep impulse that moves them out into the world for the adventure of their life, even that impulse drawing them to women, is nothing but the manifestation of a spirit that is essentially satanic in nature. This is not only wrong, theologically, morally, psychologically, practically, and scientifically. It is literally anti-true. 
It's not a mere misstatement about the nature of reality, a minor conceptual error, but something that literally could not be farther from the truth. And something that distant from the truth comes from a place that cannot be distinguished from hell. The Christian church is there to remind people, young men included, and perhaps even first and foremost, that they have a woman to find, a garden to walk in, a family to nurture, an ark to build, a land to conquer, a ladder to heaven to build, and the utter terrible catastrophe of life to face stalwartly in truth, devoted to love and without fear. Invite the young men back. Say literally to those young men, you are welcome here. If no one else wants what you have to offer, we do. We want to call you to the highest purpose of your life. We want your time and energy and effort and your will and your goodwill. We want to work with you to make things better, to produce life more abundant for you and for your wife and children and for your community and your country and the world. And we have our problems in the Christian church. We are more abundant, sometimes far too often, corrupt, and sometimes deeply so. We are outdated, as are all institutions with their roots in the dead, but still often wise past. So join us. We'll help fix you up, and you can help fix us up. And together, we'll aim up. And here I think that that's something which is very beautiful. And I want to illustrate precisely when he was talking about that there's a garden to be, there's a ladder to build to heaven. I think that that is so important. I think that one of the biggest problems in society today is precisely this lack of value. There is this lack of purpose. And a lot of times people in society, especially those on the far left, or the radical left, are saying, oh, all you need to do is create your own value. You can create your meaning, you can create your identity to whatever way you want to. You can create it from absolutely nothing. However, it is proven time and time again, and it goes back to the previous point about fulfillment, is that you first have to start off with a solid base before you can build anything strong. A house which is built on sand will not stand. A house which is built upon rock and upon good foundations will be able to hold tall and strong against any winds. And in the same way, we have to recognize that in order to appreciate life, you have to start off from a strong foundation, a, a foundation of religion, a religious spirit. And that is the most important thing. Because to tell people that you can do whatever you want from a ground of absolutely nothing is ridiculous. It is the same to say that someone can jump off the side of an airplane to go skydiving without a parachute. That would be absolutely dangerous and, if not, suicidal. And the same way, I think that we should view the existential schema in the exact same way. If you don't start off with a strong foundation, then, well, you're, no, you're leading nowhere apart towards nihilism. You're leading nowhere but towards existential death and suicide, the death of God, to be precise, within Nietzschean terms. So, as a result, I think it's very important that we do appreciate and recognize this religious landscape in which we all are living in, and that we develop upon this religious landscape in order to find our way towards the truth. And that is really the only way in which we can solve this existentialist nightmare in which we find society today. Here's a message to those young men skeptical about such things. What else do you have? You can abandon the churches in your cynicism and disbelief. You can say to yourself, narcissistically and solipsistically, the church does not express what I believe properly. Who cares what you believe? Why is this about you? Do you even want it to be about you? What if it was about others? What if it was about your duty to the past and to the broader community that surrounds you in the present? What if it was incumbent upon you and vital to your health and willingness even to live to rescue your dead father from the belly of the beast where he has always resided and to restore him to life? Once again, to the churches, Protestant, you're the worst at the moment. Catholic, Orthodox. Invite young men, put up a billboard. Say, young men are welcome here. Print some flyers and put them in a box by the billboard. Signal the existence of those flyers with an arrow with the words, more information about attending here. Tell those who have never been in a church exactly what to do, how to dress, when to show up, who to contact, and most importantly, what they can do. Ask more, not less, of those you are inviting. Ask more of them than anyone ever has. Remind them who they are in the deepest sense and help them become that. Your churches, for God's sake, quit fighting for social justice. Quit saving the bloody planet. Attend to some souls. That's what you're supposed to do. That's your holy duty. Do it now before it's too late. The hour is nigh.
I think these words are beautiful. And in some sense, I don't think there's any better way in which we can end off this video than to focus and emphasize those ideas. At the end of the day, we churches as the Christian body have a duty to develop and save people's souls. That is the absolute most important thing from an existential and a theological and spiritual level. It doesn't matter, no matter what happens in the world around us, but if the souls are not saved, well, we're all doomed to hell and nihilism. So it's very important that we constantly focus on the message of the church, of what God teaches us, and start off from that foundation, that fulfillment of the law and not the destruction of the law. That's something I would like to leave you off today. If you want more of these videos of my response to different content online, then feel free to let me know, like and subscribe to show your appreciation for these contents and let me know ideas of videos that you want me to reply or respond to in the comments below. I hope you've enjoyed this video. Stay safe, my friends. See you soon. Thank you for watching and God bless. I'll see you next one.